So that's Acts chapter 2, reading from verse 42. And then we will, yeah, then we'll probably jump over to Acts chapter 4. And I'll read from verse 32. But let's start with Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Then over to chapter 4, verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold the field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for another beautiful morning. Thank you for your creation. Thank you that we can be here this morning again in person. And what a privilege it is to, to be in the household of God and to hear your word preached to us. So, Father, please help me to be faithful, to be sincere and genuine. Help me to preach the truth in love with a tender heart. But also stir us up to listen so that the Word and, the, and, and your Spirit can do a great work in our hearts, convict us of any sin and, and rebuke us, and also train us and encourage us and help us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. So, Father, please be merciful to all of us. Help us. We desperately need to hear your word and be doers of it in this fallen world. Father, please stir up our hearts. You've given us ears, help us hear. Please, Father, help us. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a, a topical sermon on fellowship with believers. And like I said earlier on, as the church grows, will we expand our fellowship? Or do we just come and stay in our own little bubble? If you had to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 weak, 10 being strong, what is your fellowship, what is my fellowship like with the believers on a scale of 1 to 10? How would you rate yourself? 1 being weak, 10 being strong. Is it important for Christians to have fellowship with one another? 
Is fellowship something we can take lightly? And the word fellowship in the English dictionary means the relationship of people, the relationship of people who share interests or feelings. I always notice that, that people that share interests, like people that are interested in birds, people that are interested in um, gardens, normally belong to a club. And they get together and they share their interests and their feelings. And also notice that these people who belong to a club, it could be a sports club, it could be a charity work club, but I notice that these people have a more mature, more genuine, more sincere relationship with each other than someone that just stays away and does his own thing and doesn't mix with people. And these people that do belong to these groups Maybe they understand the value of relationships better than someone that doesn't show any interest at all. And the value of building relationships with all kinds of people. As Christians, we all have the same interest. And our interest is Jesus Christ. We're like-minded. But why do we seem to struggle in our own fellowship. Fellowship on a Sunday. Fellowship during the week. It could be at a prayer meeting. It could be at a home fellowship group. It could be at a ladies Bible study. It could be at a men's breakfast. Why do we struggle with connecting with one another? And maybe when we do connect with one another, we struggle to actually connect. We come in and we go out. And I can understand there are times when we come in and we have to go out. We have things and we have a time constraints. And I understand now that we, we can't stay behind and have tea and coffee at this present moment. But there's nothing wrong with as you going out just to briefly say how's it to someone and chat with them. We do that if we're out in the shops and we bump into someone. We stop and chat and ask how so-and-so is. If we see someone at a restaurant, we normally go over to them and take the time. We should be different when it comes to building relationships. Christians should be different. Our fellowship should be different. Someone said fellowship is the spiritual duty of believers to stimulate each other to holiness and faithfulness. It's also accountability within having fellowship with one another. And then the word fellowship in the Bible means partnership or, or sharing, meeting together and building each other up in Christ Jesus, encouraging each other, listening to someone who has problems, praying with someone who has problems, sharing goods with someone who's in need. John writes, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. If we're in Christ, we're without excuse. We should be having fellowship with one another. And those two passages are read. When, when, when God saved these men and women, it was in their heart to love and to share and to have fellowship with one another. It's not easy. It's something we need to work on and be reminded. 
What we saw in Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to the end and in Acts chapter 4 from verse 32 to the end we saw what we can say a radical fellowship. People selling stuff and giving it to someone. Knowing that this is not mine. The things we have actually belong to the Lord. They were practicing good stewardship. I mean, just to summarize, Acts 2 and 42 onwards and Acts chapter 4 verse 32 onwards, we witnessed true radical fellowship. They had everything in common. Their common life together was that they shared their hearts, they shared their souls, and they shared their possessions, their properties. And what this showed, what fellowship, hospitality shows, is it's an expression of our love for God and the love of God that has been poured out into our hearts. It's what Jesus taught the disciples and has taught us in the scriptures that we must love one another as he loved us. That's why the most beautiful thing is when God saves us, He pours us, pours out His love into our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit who indwells us to help us. Because left to ourselves, we just remain to ourselves. And now and then we remember, oh, I must phone so-and-so or I must have so-and-so around for lunch or see if so-and-so is okay. But with God putting His love into us, He helps us to change and have true fellowship with one another. To fail to participate in the fellowship of the life of a local church is inexcusable. And same thing with the teenagers at school. You can have fellowship with one another. See how your friends are doing. Anything we can pray for. This is what we carry over into our adult life. So this morning, I just want to look at two factors. Two true facts. To, to encourage us, to stir us up, to have true fellowship with one another. And like I said, I want to do this every year to, to encourage us, just to remind us of these two true facts. And the first true fact to encourage us to have true fellowship with each other is we have to have fellowship with Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, we can do nothing. We cannot have true fellowship. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And that includes true fellowship. Because He takes us off our own throne. He dethrones us and He helps us to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow Him. And fix our eyes on Him so that we, He can govern our lives in having true fellowship. If you look back, some of, you, some of you might have grown up in a Christian home, but think about it, before God saved you and I, before God saved us, we had nothing in common with a holy God. We, we, we were dead in our sins. We did not have true fellowship with God. We had, un we had fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, says Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. What did that look like? Well, think about it. 
when you met with friends in an unsaved state? What did you talk about? Now, I'm not saying every time we meet we must talk about the things of God. That normally comes up as Christians. But before God saved you, think about it. When you were unsaved and you had people around for bras, what was your fellowship like? Did you really care for each other? How did you speak to one another? Were your words unwholesome, filthy, silly, coarse? And maybe in the context of being an unbeliever, we just socialized. We just socialized. And we did this because we're in bondage to sin. We were a slave to sin. And we did this because we did not have fellowship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ takes us away from ourselves and helps us to fix ourselves on others and become otherly minded. But when you think of our salvation, which I spoke a bit about last week, when we were behaving like this, when we were dead in our sins, when there was, was, was unwholesome words coming out of our mouths, filthy, silly, coarse, whatever, God being rich in grace, kindness and mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In spite of what was going on in your life, God's love came upon you and He saved you to have true fellowship with Him. And He saved you through Jesus Christ. There on the cross, Jesus shed His blood for us, for forgiveness of sins and to bring us to His Father. We were saved into true fellowship with Jesus. And it's all by God's doing that we are united to Christ Jesus, welcomed into God's kingdom to enjoy true fellowship with Jesus. The most beautiful thing, when you read the scriptures, you actually realize what great and what wondrous work Jesus did for us. He, in him, he took on himself a human body and became a man. And we know that over time he went to the cross and took on his body the sins of the world, our sins. The righteous died for the unrighteous to bring us to God for reconciliation to have true fellowship with him. It's a privilege. To have fellowship with God. It's a privilege to wake up in the morning and fellowship with God and commune with Him in prayer and read His Word. It's actually an honor that we have a God that loves us so much, those that He has called and chosen in His Son Christ Jesus, to bring them to Himself to have fellowship. And it was His Son Jesus Christ who has opened the way. For God to forgive us and adopt us into his family to have true fellowship with both Jesus and our Father. And the beautiful thing is when you did repent and when you did put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you became partakers of the divine nature. 
The Apostle Peter, in his second letter, in chapter 1, verse 4, writes about this. We became partakers in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. And the verse, and in this verse, the word partakers in the Greek has the same meaning as fellowship. We became into fellowship with God, with Jesus. What a great miracle was your salvation, my salvation. For God to take a heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. And now that we belong to Jesus, that we've been baptized into His body, we who make up the church, we are called to have true fellowship. We are called to have fellowship with Jesus, and we'll look at the next thing, is our souls. And if you want to see what true fellowship looked like, you just got to be read, read the Gospels, and you see Jesus and His true fellowship with His Father. Jesus did nothing outside His Father's will. What His Father said He did. He never ran ahead of Himself. When, when Luke tells us in the Gospel, in his Gospel, he tells us that before Jesus calls the twelve apostles, what does Jesus do? He goes up onto the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. He communed, he fellowshiped with his Father as he talked and prayed to his Father. Jesus, the Son of God, truly man, truly God, who needed to pray and who needed fellowship with his Father, how much more do we need that with Jesus to help us in this world? In the high priestly prayer, in verse 11 of John chapter 17, John tells us this of Jesus. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. True fellowship, Jesus and his Father. Perfect relationship is the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God, in perfect relationship, in perfect fellowship. And if we read in the Scriptures, we will see this, and this will encourage us to have fellowship with Jesus. We will learn from Him. God, in His sovereign mercy, has saved us into Jesus to, to enjoy fellowship with Him. And let's be honest, if we have poor fellowship with Jesus, we more than likely will have poor fellowship with people. There is always room for us to grow. And the second true fact to encourage us to have true fellowship with each other is to have fellowship with one another. If we're having fellowship with God, it doesn't stop there. The greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And then what? Do nothing. No. The second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. If our relationship is strong and healthy, not perfect, is strong and healthy with God, it will be strong and healthy on the ground. Not perfect. Obviously we will, we will sin and obviously we will offend people. But our relationship with God is so important for our relationship on the plain field. 
Lord willing, this Wednesday at our home fellowship group, we're going to look at this next passage that I'm going to read a few verses from in Hebrews. Because the author of Hebrews, in chapter 10, verses 24 to 25, says this, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And don't we need encouragement today? Who is growing weary and tired of this virus? It's stop, start, stop, start. We don't know what the government's going to do next to the churches, to, to this country, in the context of this virus. But don't you become weary and tired? You don't know if you're going to be able to go to work tomorrow. You can, there could be another family speech. Say we're in level one. Lockdown. No, level five. Lockdown. That's why we meet. That's why we fellowship with Jesus. So we can come and fellowship with one another. And encourage one another to be patient. To, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. To, to focus on Him and trust in Him. But as soon as we start forsaking our meetings, that's when our fellowship with one another will also start to fall apart. This is a warning not to forsake your own assembling together. And the, the church in the book of Hebrews was going through persecution. We're going through a virus. But this doesn't mean we must downplay the damage that this virus is doing and the damage that persecution brings upon people's lives and especially the church. And when we talk about not forsaking your assembling together, it's, it starts here on a Sunday. Coming together as one in Christ. We are a body of believers in Christ. We are a family and we come together. God saves us individually into His body and the church is His body. And we come and we encourage each other to good works and to keep loving. Loving God first and then loving one another. And we can do this in home fellowship group as well. We can do this in prayer meetings. We can do this in whatever church meetings the churches have during the week or over the weekend. And the reason why we want to have fellowship with each other is that we can talk to each other. Ask each other, how's our heart this morning? How are you feeling this morning? Paul said, I'd rather boast in my weakness. How often we come through that door and we boast in our strengths. How often we come through that door and say, Pastor, just pray for me. I'm feeling so, so downcast this morning. Well, you've come to the right place. This is a place for sick people. You go to hospital. You're not too afraid to go to hospital when you're sick and not well and broken. We shouldn't be embarrassed or ashamed to come through that door and and boast in our weaknesses. Because then God's grace can be shown. And it's sufficient for our weaknesses. Paul said, when I'm weak, I'm strong in His grace. Is this easy? No, it's hard. It's hard for me, it's hard for all of us. We need to encourage one another. We need to help each other. 
We need to come together and share with each other our concerns and we need to trust each other as we share so we can practice true fellowship, that we can love one another and we can pray for one another so that we can suffer with those who suffer, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. After the services, what do we talk about the most? I guarantee it's not always about the sermon or about God. I guarantee you the most things we talk about are the, the mundane things. Maybe the weather, maybe what we're going to do. Maybe it was the rugby match over the weekend. Maybe it was the cricket match. And um, There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying now, oh, we this church, we can't talk about the things out there that's going on. No. But ask ourselves, what do we talk about? There's nothing wrong with small talk, but small talk can go to praying and encouraging one another. Open up to one another. You don't have to open up intimately, but we can just share. Oh, I've got this serious meeting on Thursday. Please pray for me. I'm, I'm a bit concerned. I need work. I'm going for an interview. Please pray for me. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that I might not earn a salary at the end of the month. And as Christians, we shouldn't, we shouldn't we shouldn't be embarrassed to talk like that or afraid to talk like that. We need to encourage one another. And at times we will also rebuke one another. And what do we use when we meet one another? We use scripture. Why do we bring scripture to each other? So that we can encourage that person. So that God's grace and, and mercy can work in that person's life. And as we bring scripture, what we're doing is we allow the word of Christ to dwell richly in that person's heart as we encourage, teach, or admonish one another with great wisdom. Scripture is so profitable. If we believe that this book is alive, it's a living book, it's a double-edged sword, sometimes we just have to take a word to someone and pray. And you'll see a great work that God does in that person's heart through just one verse or two. But often we take so much of our own opinions, so much of our own baggage, and we just dump it on people. Let's start dumping scripture on people and see God's miraculous work in the people's hearts. Either to encourage them, to give them the hope, to comfort them, or to rebuke them, or to correct them, or to train them in righteousness. Because all scripture is God-breathed and is profitable to help us in this world. And, and I love, James is, is, a, is a beautiful book in, in the New Testament. And James says in 2.14, and this is what I find that we do a lot of. We have a lot of, of, like I say, mental fellowship. We have a lot of talking to one another, patting each other on the back and saying, I'll pray for you and, and you encourage. But we need practical fellowship as well. We need our mental fellowship to, to go down onto the ground with our hands and our feet. And James reminds us in verse 14 of chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? 
So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. True salvation brings forth works, good works. So we, we must try and not always say, I'll pray for you, brother. See what you can do. See what we can do. If we're not having fellowship with one another, if we're not encouraging one another, if we're not actually in the Scriptures alone and getting God through His Word to encourage us and strengthen us, then we're going to remain spiritual weaklings. None of us will ever suffer like Jesus suffered. That's true and that's, that's an absolute fact. But no one in this room will ever suffer like the Apostle Paul suffered. Who was imprisoned, who was beaten, who was left to hunger, who was shipwrecked. And yet what did he thrive on the most when he was in prison? Fellowship. If he went into a prison and killed up and salt and just said, everybody, just get away from me, he would have become a spiritual weakling and we would never have had those 13 books that he penned. He thrived. He, 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 he rejoiced when men came and encouraged him in prison. Because he knew he needed encouragement himself. He needed to be built up in Christ and to be strengthened so he could continue to be bold, strong and courageous out there with the gospel. He knew the importance of true fellowship. And, showed, and so should we. We should enjoy the fellowship with one another. We have to challenge each other. We have to encourage each other. Like I said, we shouldn't just rush off after every service. Now we have an excuse because there is no tea, there is no coffee, there are no biscuits. But generally, when, when we are back to normality again and normal fellowship after church, stay around, chat, take someone to the corner and pray for them. I close with the story. There was this young lady, well she wasn't young, she was I think in her 40s. And she had two kids, a boy and a girl. And she belonged to this beautiful church. She went to church on the Sundays with her husband and children. She went to the, the meetings during the week. And one day her husband tragically died. What did the church do? The church gathered around her. They had true fellowship with her. They helped her plan the funeral. They helped her with her finances. Some men came along her oldest son and encouraged him. Some younger woman came along her younger daughter and hugged her and cried with her and encouraged her. When family came for the funeral, there was hospitality. All the food was provided for. And it all happened because this lady was in true fellowship with the church and the church could be in true fellowship with her. 
We are responsible to make fellowship happen. You often hear of someone say they go to church, no one comes to talk to them. Why don't you go talk to someone instead? That's what you want to say. That's what you should say. We always have excuses and we blame. We should go to someone. True fellowship starts with fellowship with Christ and fellowship flows into one another. We need to become a caring church. A true fellowship church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, They will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And often the people outside the church see just fighting going on in the church. Adultery. Someone stealing the thanks offering. Yes, there's always going to be sin in the church. Let's not, let's not forget that. I often you hear of someone saying, wow, there's a church. doesn't matter who's in that church, old, young, whatever color. They're always loving. They're always, they're always serving. They're always helping one another. I hear of so-and-so is not doing well, but there's always someone in that church supporting her, praying for her, meeting her needs, giving her a lift to the hospital or to the doctor or, or wherever. And I thank God that there are such people in this church that help those in need. That need food. That need a lift. Thank the Lord for our compassion ministry as well. But there's so much more we can do. And those that don't do it, hopefully you're encouraged and stirred up to start having true fellowship with Jesus and with a fellow brother or sister in Christ. And those that do have true fellowship may be encouraged to keep on keeping on in the strength and in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hopefully these two facts to encourage us to have true fellowship, and that is to fellowship with Jesus and to fellowship with one another, will help us to rethink our true fellowship. I can't lord it over the church. I can't bring a rod here and, 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 and whip people into place. That's what the Gentiles did. It's God's word that must get hold of your heart. Christ's love must get hold of your heart and, and, and challenge you and change you and exhort you and get you into that position so that God's grace and mercy can do a great work. And if you struggle, just go to the cross. Always go to the cross when you're struggling. It humbles you. Because there at the cross, you'll see Jesus Christ die for us so that we who live for Him might no longer live for ourselves. But for Him, He died and rose again on behalf. We are supposed to live for Him. We've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. We're not our own. So let's think about true fellowship this morning. Let's be challenged. Let's have fellowship with Jesus and fellowship with one another. Is this easy? No. But start encouraging each other. Stir each other up to good works and to love. To have true fellowship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is either an encouragement or a rebuke or a warning. We think of the book of Hebrews of all the warnings and what grace is that. And to be challenged this morning, to have true fellowship, I pray that you would stir up our hearts.
that you would move amongst us and stir us up to yes to 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 repent to ask you for forgiveness for not being true in our fellowship with one another maybe we fall into falling into complacency maybe we haven't really thought of this but i pray father hear our prayers forgive us and put it in our hearts to no longer live for ourselves but for you and to have true fellowship with your son jesus and with one another please be merciful be gracious to us help us father pray and ask this all in jesus name Amen.